Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Dr. Sandra is a board-certified internal medicine physician, work-life integration researcher, speaker, and best-selling author. She is an international thought leader on the mind-body-spirit connection, featured in numerous media outlets, including CNN Health, Fast Company, and TED.com's Ideas Worth Sharing. She is the author of Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, which shares her research on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, overcome burnout, and live your best life. And over 250,000 people have discovered their personal rest deficits using her free assessment, which we will share with you after the break. So welcome to the show, Dr. Sandra. I'm so excited to have you here. Yes, looking forward to chatting. Yeah, well, we had the pleasure of meeting at the National Publicity Summit. And as soon as I heard your topic, I was like, oh, We definitely need to bring you on, and I'm really excited that you're here and uh, ready to share with our listeners. So I'd love to have you start, Dr. Sandra, by talking a little bit about your own journey into internal medicine and work-life integration and research and all the things that you do. If you could give us a little bit of a, a background on you, were you always like the girl who was in the library researching things and going out and sharing with your friends or tell us a little bit more about your backstory. That would pretty much describe me. So I've always wanted to be a physician. I actually don't recall ever wanting to do any other type of job. So I've always had a love for science and biology. I actually majored in biochemistry. So my mindset has always been kind of give me the hardest thing and let me try to figure out how to work it and how to do it. But after about 10, well, actually probably about eight years into practice, I started to kind of notice that my life was getting very out of balance and to a place where even though I had all of the things that I said I wanted, kind of had checked off all my goals and and I had the kids that I wanted, the house, the car, the man, all of those things, I was not happy. And I was at a place where really I wasn't even enjoying any aspect of the success that I worked towards. And I remember coming home one night after picking up the kids from the daycare and, you know, leaving my practice in the hospital. And I remember just sitting them in front of the TV and laying out on my foyer floor, looking up at the chandelier in the the middle of the foyer, thinking, how did I get here? (laughs) How did I get to this place where I have everything that I said I wanted, but none of it feels good anymore? I had created a life that looked very successful on the outside, but didn't feel successful at all to be living. And I think it was during that time that it kind of hit me that 
if I did all that work to get to that point that it felt so horrible, that there's something else I should be able to do to get to a place where it feels good, where I'm living a life that I enjoy. And a big part of that was really understanding what had me feeling so drained and so tired all the time. Mm. Because at the point, I just thought, oh, I'm just, you know, overworked. I'm not sleeping enough, not taking enough vacations. And the reality is those things were just the very beginning of the process of healing. Mm, Tip of the iceberg. All right. Well, I want to talk about a couple things in that. So first, I actually majored in biochemistry as well. So that's a funny, there's always something in my interviews that is like a part of my own life story. And I also was the woman who had all the things, you know, I had the white house and the car in the garage and the dog in the fenced in backyard and the kid and the husband and all the things. And then my life also came to a moment where I was like, is this everything? Is this all there is? And a feeling of complete yeah, exhaustion and disappointment with all that I had put in to create what I thought I was supposed to have for a life. And that was part of my own spiritual awakening journey. So let's talk then about what I noticed and what I'm hearing and what you said was it had to get really, really, really bad before I woke up. Is there a way that we can you know, maybe working with some of what you've come up with, like, see that the tank is going down before it gets to empty. Well, you know, that's the thing that's been the, the probably the most interesting part of my research. And as part of what I do now when I work with corporations and organizations is that people who are high achievers, which it sounds like both of us are mm-hmm. high achievers can function as a burnout. And we have a lot of high achievers who are functionally burned out. I mean, if I look at World Health Organization characteristics of burnout, they meet all three. They're tired all the time. They don't have any um, motivation for the work that they do. And the work they produce is actually at a lesser quality of what they're capable of. That's a huge part of the workforce. And I think the problem with that is because they're still producing something and because they're high achievers, Everyone just thinks, oh, they're fine. And even the person themselves thinks, oh, well, I can't be burned out. I'm still producing. Mm, Yeah. So one of the things that you said was that you discovered you were badly out of balance and you named three things that were just the tip of the iceberg. Can we talk about those tip of the iceberg things Mm -hmm. that, that you identified in yourself and I'm sure you help others to identify? And then let's go a little bit deeper below the surface. What's under those things? Yeah, the very tip of the iceberg for me was I was tired. So, you know, my medical training and background had me focusing all of my attention on sleep. And, you know, it was during this time where there was what we call a sleep revolution that was out. Everybody was talking about sleep. Everybody had ideas on how to sleep better. You know, so that's where I started. I started off just let me see if that's the issue. Let me try to make sure that I'm turning off my electronics at a certain time and spending so many hours in the bed each night. But even after I got to a place where I felt like my sleep quality was extremely good, I was getting seven, eight, nine, sometimes even hours a night, and I was still tired. And I think that's what kind of awoke me to this next phase of it was that, you know, once you feel like you're getting high quality sleep, you go to bed and you wake up and you're still exhausted. That's a really desperate feeling because it's like, okay, now what? (laughs) Because sleep didn't fix it. And I think because I am an internist, 
I did make sure that, you know, my thyroid was working, my adrenals were good, you know, all of those things that medically you want to make sure are actually healthy. All of those things were healthy. And that's when it, the, I kind of say everything hit the fan <laughs> because what is the next step after that? Really, science did not have any next steps after that. It was in your head is what, you know, I was hearing women come to me saying, oh, I went to all these doctors and they tested all these tests, but and I'm sleeping, but I'm still exhausted. You know, it was easy for me to brush kind of their comments off when I wasn't experiencing myself. But when I, I was the one in that same position, it made me really go back to my roots, which is, like I said, I'm a researcher. I like to dive into what is really at the core of this? What is really the issue? And it's from that that the seven different types of rest came. You know, I had plenty of subjects that could help me with it because patients were, were already in my office demanding answers to something that they had no answers for, and I needed the same answers. So we worked through the process together, kind of looking at the research that was already out there, there was a lot of lacking connectivity among the research. There were a lot of things that have been done to look at fatigue, but not looking at it in the whole kind of the totality or holistic approach of a single life. And just kind of how do you drain energy throughout your day personally? And so that's the area that I wanted to kind of focus in on because, you know, if somebody comes to me as a physician and they say, you know, I have a pain. That is so unproductive. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? It doesn't tell me where to even start treating. Mm. And it was no different when people were coming and saying, I have fatigue. It's so nonspecific that you can't treat it. Mm. And so the seven types of rest were really my ability to be able to focus in on what actually needs treatment. Mm, beautiful. All right. Let's talk about you just use the words, how do you drain every day? And I'm guessing that the seven types of rest connect somehow with some of the ways that we drain. So why don't you talk about maybe three different ways that you've discovered that people drain during the course of their day? Yeah. So the three that probably most people are most familiar with are physical, mental, and spiritual. And so those were the three that I started with as well, kind of looking at what a kind of physical energy am I using? What type of mental energy am I using? And what type of spiritual energy am I using each day? Because if you're using energy, then that area of yourself has the ability to be depleted. And the problem is most of us are not very intentional about pouring back into the places where we are using energy. Mm, fascinating. So one of the things that I'm hearing too here is that you know, the title of your book is Sacred Rest. So I'm curious if you had some kind of spiritual awakening that was part of this whole breakdown, burnout, wake up process that you went through. I definitely did. And, you know, I think one big part of that for myself was I have an aversion to rest. I'm not afraid to say that now because I find there's a lot of people just like me. Rest felt weak. Rest felt pointless, useless. Like, why would I ever make time to, and my thought at the time was to do nothing. Why would I ever make time to do nothing? Like, who does that? And so it took kind of a, the spiritual awakening part of it for me was really understanding that rest is actually about restoration. It's not a, simply about cessation which is where most of us stop. We associate, we sometimes even interchange the words sleep and rest as if they're the same thing and they're not. Sleep is just one type of physical rest. Mm. 
And so because we, we don't really truly understand the purpose behind rest, we don't put any value to it. Mm. And I think that's for myself was that awakening, that it has to be something that I give value to, that I honor, and that I treat as something that's sacred in my life if I want to show up as my best self. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Can you ladies listen to this lovely lady and hear why I asked her to be on the show? Because she is really deep in this topic of resting and defining it in ways that we haven't necessarily defined it before. I love this idea of cessation versus restoration. We are going to pick up on that when we come back on the other side of the break. And we're going to dive into the seven types of rest. But right now, we are going to take a short break. Wickedly Smart Women, we would love to have your help. And I don't know if this is something in your magic bag of tricks, Dr. Sandra, but I have found that I need to ask for help. And I didn't like asking for help. I wasn't trained that asking for help was a good thing. And so uh, I, I want to ask your help, ladies, if you're enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com and Help us by sharing with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are approaching another download milestone, which is very exciting. And we are now downloading in 94 different countries around the world. And we are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. So I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Argentina, Norway, and in... Rwanda. And we will be right back with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Dr. Sandra. And before we went to the break, we were talking about the difference between cessation and restoration, but we were also talking about that there are seven different types of rest. And I want to make sure that everyone who's listening can discover your own personal rest deficit using Dr. Sandra's free assessment, which is at restquiz.com. And we will have that for you in the show notes. Over 250,000 people have discovered their personal rest deficits using this assessment. So go right away to restquiz.com and find out what yours are so that you can then have uh, be armed right, with the information that you need to be able to get some restoration in those areas. So let's talk about uh, this idea of cessation. 
like rest as cessation versus rest as restoration. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I think all of us at some point have had those experiences where we're we're like, oh, I'm going to rest on the weekend. And basically what we're meaning is that we're going to stop doing our normal work. So we're going to lay around on the couch, maybe watch Netflix or something. You know, we're just going to kind of stop our normal activity, but we don't actually do anything that pours back into us. So if if, if your deficit, let's say, is a spiritual rest deficit, sleeping alone is not going to solve that. You actually have to have some type of, of activity that then brings a spiritual connection. You know, that might be meditation. I mean, you get to choose what that activity is because the restorative activity is individualized for each person. What fills you up may not fill someone else up. So there's a bit of kind of self-awareness and being intuitive about what it is that restores you, just like being aware of what kind of things drain you so that you can be proactive in that process. Beautiful. So let's talk about the seven types of rest. Why don't you give our listeners the the lowdown on that? And like maybe one more suggestion, like this suggestion about being refilled spiritually by using meditation or yoga or whatever that will do that. Let's give them at least one more suggestion for uh, filling up in another way. Yeah. So we covered the first three, the physical, mental, and spiritual. And so the other four include emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so I'll I'll jump into the creative one because a lot of people suffer with creative rest deficits because in part, because they don't see themselves as a creative, you know, they're not an artist or a musician or something like that. However, creative energy is actually used every time we have to be innovative. Every time you solve a problem that requires creative energy, every time you think outside of the box, And, you know, over the past couple of years with the pandemic, even things that we'd always done a certain way, we then had to start learning how to do them in a new way. So there was an excessive amount of creative energy that people were using without any mechanism or strategy in place on how to fill that particular draining bucket back up. And so a simple way that we found, there's lots of research and in my book, Sacred Rest, I talk about quite a bit of the research, because I think a lot of people are like the two of us. We're very kind of show me the details, show me the facts around these. But there is research specifically that talked about how people who say that being around bodies of water actually make them feel restored. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't, you know, quantify it. They couldn't explain it. They're like, I don't know what it is, but being at the lake or the beach or the ocean makes me feel better. And I feel restored. I feel something has been filled back up. That is creative rest. Creative rest is the energy and the kind of the experience we feel after being around beauty, whatever that is for us, whatever beauty we take in that kind of motivates and inspires us. And the best part about that was you didn't have to physically be at the place. One of the research topics that I discussed regarding creative rest is around the study that was done where they tested it, whether it was in person at the beach or even looking at pictures at the beach. And the changes that happen in the brain on MRIs were exactly the same, whether the person had looked at the actual beach or was just looking at an image of the beach. So, you know, change the image on your lock screen to those things that are inspirational and motivational to you. Mm. You know, make sure that you have things in your in your workplace. If flowers or the outdoors are inspirational to you, 
buy yourself flowers, bring in a potted plant. You know, you get to pick and choose how you experience that beauty, but make a point of actually surrounding yourself with those things that are inspirational to you. Beautiful. All right. Well, so there's a couple pieces here that I feel like I want to go into around, you know, our culture. I like to say, one of the things I like to say is don't be seduced by the culture of busy. So our culture, our education system, our corporatized, industrialized, collective mindset around produce, 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 like 24-7, 365 produce, we're essentially asked to be mechanical, right? Is a huge, I would imagine, internal barrier for a lot of people to overcome because they've been so conditioned. So how do you help people to, as one of my mentors like to say, put their nose in the poop so that they can actually (laughs) see what the problem is? How do you actually help your clients to start deconditioning themselves and start giving themselves permission to figure out what actually will work for them? Yeah, I I love that question. That's you know, I do most of the work that my company Restoresis does is with corporations. And so I always say we work with corporations, but really our work is with the individuals within corporations, because that is where you really have to break down where the problem is when it, as it relates to a well-being culture. It's the mindset shift that tends to have to occur, not just within employees, because honestly, if it doesn't start in the, in the C-suite and the executive level, it never reaches the employees. So a big part of that is actually changing the culture within companies to a well-being mindset. So they actually understand what that looks like. It's not simply saying, oh, well, you know, every January we're going to have a weight loss contest. You know, okay, that's good. You know, that's a good start. But that is not a well-being initiative. A well-being initiative is looking at not only the professional output and professional um, way that we kind of look at our well-being with our jobs, But it also takes a deeper look into how it affects even our personal lives, because you have to start really at the core of what that person is experiencing. What is it that makes them feel as if they are exhausted, you know, with their relationships at work or even at home? You know, what are the things that are keeping them at a place where they never feel satisfied or they never feel seen or fully used within their organization? And so there's so many different layers with that. A big part of the work we do with companies is actually starting off with a well-being assessment, because I think so often the problem seems to so big that it's hard to know where to start. And so you have to kind of, just as we do with the rest quiz, it's identifying first, is that kind of diagnosing first before we get to the treatment so that we can actually hone in on the specific areas that are the biggest problem right now. And then you focus on building up and making that area healthy before you move on to some of the other fine tuning and tweaking that needs to be done really to create that wellness culture. But it all begins with mindset. We have to kind of shift that mindset from thinking, oh, well, I can prevent burnout by just going on vacations. Vacations are an ineffective approach to burnout prevention. It's too little too late. Mm, Beautiful. Well, I feel like I want to take us back to the foyer. I want to take us back to you lying in the foyer, and I'd love to have you talk about what happened. Did you leave your practice? You've now become an international thought leader. That's a whole other, you know, lifestyle. So I'd love to hear you take us back to the foyer 
And uh, like, what happened for you that made you decide that you were going to become more than an internal medicine physician? Yeah. The, you know, the interesting thing is after that four-year moment, I stayed in medicine for up to 20 years, basically. So I didn't leave medicine. I actually stayed put within medicine because that's that, as I stated, I only wanted to be a, be a physician. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to be. And so I stayed within medicine and just started doing research with it. Prior to that, I wasn't really doing a lot of research. It was all clinical based. Um, I continued to do the clinical and added on kind of research within my practice, specifically looking at the different types of rest, kind of determining what types people were needing, what types I I needed and, and looking at the research that supported it, that had already been done and then adding on those things that I felt like needed some extra steps. And then from that, you know, when I started seeing how effective it was, um, you know, I sometimes say rest is the most underused chemical free alternative medical approach out there that is just simply not being used because it seems so simplistic. But to see the changes that it made in my patients' lives, and it didn't seem to matter if that person was, you know, an attorney or if that person was a teacher or a stay-at-home mom, it was affecting all of them because it was so individualized. That's what really made me kind of then go into writing uh, Sacred Rest because I felt like, you know, medicine is a fast-paced industry. There's not time to sit and have long conversations with patients. It was much easier to introduce the idea that they could have a rest deficit, send them to the quiz, let them then kind of become self-aware of where the deficit was, and then let them have a resource that they could then use to kind of walk themselves through the process. At no point in time did I ever expect, you know, TED.com, you know, to, to call and say, hey, we, we loved your TEDx talk you did in Atlanta. You know, can we use this on our main platform or you know, CNN helped to pick it up, you know, all of those things kind of happened just organically, honestly, from people who were experiencing the book and getting benefit from it. Beautiful. And that led to a company and everything else that's happened. <laughs> all the things that go along with becoming an entrepreneurial woman, in addition to being a physician. All right, beautiful lady. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming today and for bringing your message of sacred rest and helping the people that you help to recover their life, renew their energy and restore their sanity. I'm looking forward myself to getting a hold of that book and reading it because I, you know, in my own life, I know that I have probably got a few areas where I still have deficits where, yes, I sleep plenty. And yes, I surround myself with beauty. And yes, I take care of my sensory by having a massage every week. But I definitely want to look at this myself and possibly take the quiz. And I encourage all of my ladies around the world to do the same. Go to restquiz.com and find out what's going on with you. And uh, listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes. And or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. I actually do want to give a shout out today. We had somebody from Bulgaria. I think their, their name is Mitko from Bulgaria who sent in a donation. So thank you so much, Mitko from Bulgaria for doing that. And we definitely appreciate your support. We love getting support from all around the world. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember that you are a wonderful woman. 
Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.